Welcome to Mount Olive First Pentecostal Holiness Church. Thank you for connecting with us. In just a moment, Pastor Jeff will be sharing an uplifting and encouraging message that we pray will inspire you in your walk with God. Our desire at MOF PHC is for you and your family to find hope in Jesus Christ so that he will transform your life. Thanks again for connecting with us. Please contact us if we can help you discover God's purpose for your life. Enjoy the message. How many of you were ever spanked when you were a child? Raise your hand. Well, I know now, oh, she's got both up. Praise the Lord. That tells me that you had a loving father in your home, a loving parent in your home, somebody who cared about you. I never could figure that out. I'm spanking you because I love you. Well, then quit loving me. Uh, I I told the story this morning. My stepdad was here uh, when I was a little boy, um, I I guess around 9 or 10. My sister was getting married, and I know some of you, this might kind of be outdated for you, but used to back in the day in Calypso years ago, there was something called the Calypso Plywood Festival. How many of y'all remember the Plywood Festival? Okay, there's a handful of you that remember that. And uh, about at age 9 or 10, my sister was getting married on that day, so I had the bright idea uh, that I would go ahead and get in my tuxedo for the wedding, and I had a couple of hours to spare, so I went on over to the festival walking around in my tuxedo. Well, while I was over there, I got into the bouncy house and jumped around and got all hot and sweaty, and and, uh, I never went back home, and they were waiting on me to come back to go to the wedding, and I got word very soon that uh, your mom said for you to get home. Well, I knew right then it was time to get to the house. And when I walked in, they were, they were just fuming. They were so upset because I was here I was in a tuxedo, all sweaty and dirty, and we got to go to a wedding. And uh, my mom looked at my stepdad, and uh, they, they hadn't been married too long. And she said, listen, you have got to do something with that boy. you got to do something with him, and uh, I want you to take care of him. I want you to discipline him. And uh, she said, I'm going to go out of the room, but you, you take care of it. So he grabs a belt, and she goes into another room. And, and I'm like, I'm trembling. I'm shaking to death. This man right here is getting ready to kill me. And... Uh, so I, I get in there, and, and he takes that belt, and he looks at me, and he kind of winks at me, and he takes that belt, and he starts beating something beside, a piece of furniture beside the bed right there, and it's making this loud noise, and he looks at me and says, scream. And I was like, oh, oh. And he did that several times, and my mama come running to the room. She said, stop, you're going to kill the boy. You're going to kill him. And he never even hit me with the belt, and I was thinking, man, what a loving father. Wow. And I want to talk to you today about a loving father, a loving father that we find in the gospel of Mark, Mark chapter 5, verse 21 through 24. I want to read to you this scripture, and then I'm going to jump over to another scripture uh, in that same context. Uh, Jesus, uh, just to set it up to you, Jesus had already been there. Do you remember when Jesus was in the cemetery, and there's this man that's possessed by demons, and he's chained and very violent, and uh, Jesus... Uh, goes into that cemetery there, and he has an encounter there with that man, and that man's life is changed. He's delivered uh, from those uh, demonic spirits. And so then Jesus gets in a boat, and he comes back across uh, to the, uh, the lake there, and he finds himself on the seashore of the lake, and that's where I pick up now. It says, when Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue rulers named Jairus came there, seeing Jesus, he fell at his feet and pleaded earnestly with him. Listen to what he pleaded. My my little daughter is dying. 
My little daughter is dying. Can you imagine the cry? Can you imagine the plea that this man has? He says, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her that she will be healed and that she will live. So Jesus went with him and a large crowd followed and pressed around him. So you remember the story. Uh, Jesus begins to walk with Jairus to go to Jairus' house. And on the way to Jairus' house, I call it a divine interruption. There's an interruption because there's this lady who's been hemorrhaging with blood for 12 years now. And, and she's pressing through that crowd. And, and she finally gets to Jesus and she touches the hem of his garment. And you remember this lady is healed by Jesus. And I'm thinking, what a powerful story that is. But if I'm Jairus and, and I've been uh, pleading with Jesus, will you please come to my house? Because this, this young girl, my only daughter, precious to me, is about to die. And I need you to get to her before it's too late. And while they're on the way to his house, there's this, there's this divine interruption. And that just reminds me that sometimes, friend, when you're praying and when you're seeking God to show up in your situation, there may be a time that you have to wait. Wait on God. You may have to wait on God. And we don't wait very well. We don't wait well at all. But it's through that waiting period that God begins to teach us some things. And to uh, show us some things. And he was showing Jairus here that he has the power to heal. And then we pick back up. And after Jesus had healed this lady. Jesus was still speaking. Verse 35 to this woman. And while he's speaking to this woman. Some men came from the house of Jairus. The synagogue ruler. Young daughter, your, your daughter is dead. Your daughter is dead. Now, some of you in this place today have heard those words before. Maybe not your daughter, but maybe your son or your loved one. And I can't even explain and, you know, comprehend the pain and the grief and the sorrow that many of you have had to deal with. You know, things that even happened, you know, years ago or, or freshly on your heart today, just like they were then, and things that have happened over the last few months. I just want to say, may God encourage you, and God comfort you, and God bless you, and God lift you up, and may His light and favor shine upon you as you deal with those things, because I don't know, but you know how Jairus felt. You know how Jairus felt. You know the pain when he got the news that his daughter was dead. And then they said, why, why bother the teacher anymore? And ignoring what they said, Jesus told the synagogue ruler. Notice how many times I've mentioned synagogue ruler in this passage. I'll explain why in a minute. Jesus said, ignore what they said. And he says, don't be afraid, Jairus. Just believe. Don't be afraid. Just believe. And he did not let anyone follow him, follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. And when they came to the home of the synagogue ruler, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. And that just reminded me, verse 38, there's a lot of people that have showed up this morning. And your home, there's a lot of commotion going on in your home. There's a lot of uh, a weeping and there's a lot of wailing going on inside your house. Uh, I know on the outside, uh, the house looks good, the roses are blooming right now. But on the inside, there's a lot of people here today and they're, they're still weeping and they're still crying because they've been crushed with grief or crushed because their home is in a crisis. Many of us have commotion and going on in our homes. And Jesus went in and he said uh, to them, while all this commotion and wailing, this child is not dead but asleep. 
And they laughed at him. They laughed at Jesus when he said that. They laughed at him and, and he put them all out. He got them all out of the house and he took the child's father and he took the mother and he took the disciples who were with him and he went in there where the child was and he took this precious child by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means, little girl, little girl, I want you to get up. Little girl, I want you to arise and come back to life. And the Bible says in verse 42, immediately the girl stood up, hallelujah. She stood up and walked around. She was only 12 years old. And, as, and at this, they were completely astonished. Everybody was amazed at this miracle. And Jesus gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this. And he told them uh, to give her something to eat. If you want to know the bottom line of this passage, I just share with you the bottom line is that a loving father, a loving father will bring Jesus to his family. Jairus was a man who went and found Jesus and brought Jesus to his family. A loving father will bring Jesus to the house. And I can't think of any greater testimony about a man's life or anybody for that matter. I'd love to have it written on my tombstone one day that this man, this man brought Jesus to his family. Wouldn't you love that to be your testimony today? So there's some things about Jairus' life. That we as dads can apply, but really all of us in here today can apply. It's a pattern that we see in Jairus' life that we can uh, adhere to and apply as we walk day by day with Jesus. And the first thing I want you to notice is a loving father will seek Jesus. A loving father will seek Jesus. In verse 22 it says this, One of the synagogue rulers named Jairus came looking for Jesus. He came searching for Jesus. He came looking for Jesus. It was all about, i got to find this man Jesus. Jairus was this synagogue ruler. What was his role in life? This man, he, he, he was in charge. The synagogue was like a local church. It was a place where uh, you could go to and the word of God was going to be read aloud. And then there was some worship that Jairus was responsible for to lead the people that had joined there and assembled the Jewish people to lead them in worship. He was responsible for the upkeep of the synagogue. He was very well known and very well respected in the community. But I want you to notice something, that Jairus was part of the religious establishment. If you read in that passage... Time after time it says that he was a synagogue ruler. He was part of the religious establishment of that day. And if you remember them, it was during this time that these people, they hated Jesus. They opposed Jesus and they rejected his teaching. Jairus was in the same circle of those who wanted to arrest Jesus and kill Jesus. But here we find in the Gospel of Mark, That this ruler of the synagogue, this religious leader, he's coming to Jesus. He's seeking after Jesus and he's not coming uh, in opposition to Jesus. He's not coming to reject Jesus. He's not coming to arrest Jesus. He's seeking Jesus because he needs help in his life. He needs help in his life. Why was this man seeking Jesus? Why was he needing help? Well, I've already told you in this passage that he was seeking Jesus because Not only was he a religious leader in charge of the local synagogue, but he was also a daddy. He was a loving father. He was a loving father who had a 12-year-old girl who was homesick and about to die. And he was seeking Jesus because he had a major crisis in his home. Friend, you'll become desperate when you got a crisis in your house. And I know people seek the Lord for different reasons. And here's how I feel about it. Listen, I don't care what it takes. If it takes a crisis to get you to Jesus, then whatever, friend. Whatever it takes to get you to Jesus. 
And many of you are here today and you've got some crisis going on in your home. And you need Jesus to show up because he's able to change that situation. But listen, I want you to notice something else about Jairus. This man had heard about Jesus. He had seen Jesus work. Many Bible scholars believe this. If you read in the scriptures, there's a story about a man who had a withered hand and Jesus healed him in a synagogue. And many of them believe it was actually the local synagogue that Jairus was in charge of that this man was healed in. So this man had heard about the miracles. He had seen with his own eyes the miracles of Jesus. He knew Jesus could put sight back to the blind. He could cause the lame to walk again. He knew Jesus was a miracle worker. And so he began to seek Jesus out of desperation. Let me tell you, friend, you let a crisis hit your home and, and you'll know what kind of desperation that this man had. Especially when it involves your children. You let, you let a crisis hit your home and it involves your children. It don't matter to me if they're, if they're still in the womb. It don't matter to me if they're one or two years old. It don't matter if they're grown and going out of the house. You let a crisis come to your house and to your children, you will become desperate to seek God. And Jairus is teaching us today, when you have a crisis in your family and when you have a crisis at home and you have something going on with your kids, you need to seek Jesus. In Jeremiah 29, 13, the Lord said this, You will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. And this man had laid it all down and he comes seeking Jesus, pushing through the crowds, and he was seeking him with all of his heart. Let me ask you, dads, when is the last time you sought Jesus with all of your heart? God, help us to seek Jesus with all of our hearts so we can find him. Our, our, our prayer should be that of uh, Jairus, that I'm going to do whatever. I'm going to do whatever it takes to bring Jesus to my family. I'm going to seek him with all of my heart. I'm going to seek him so he can intervene in my life and begin to work in my family. I'm going to do whatever it takes to bring Jesus to my family. I want you to notice something else about Jairus. He was the loving father who was seeking Jesus. He didn't send his wife to go seek after Jesus. He didn't send his servants to go seek after Jesus. He finally decided, you know what? I'm the man of this house. I got a calling upon my life to be the spiritual leader. I got an issue going on, a crisis in my home. Let me rise up and I'll be the one to go seek Jesus. And it was through that daddy that God began to work and open up a pathway for a miracle to take place in that home. He was saying, I'm going to call upon Jesus because he's my only hope. Let me just say something to the loving fathers here today. Be, be the spiritual leader of your home. Be the spiritual leader of your home. Read your Bible to your kids. Pray with your kids. Let them see Jesus in you at home. Be a leader in the church. Now, don't just sit back on the pew and uh, find a place that you can serve and, and pray with people and know the Bible and let God use you in the fellowship here at the local church. Be a spiritual leader in the community when you walk out these doors that you'll glorify Jesus with your life. That when your kids look at you, they don't see a different person in church that they see in the community or see at home. God, help us to be the spiritual leaders. God, help us today to seek Jesus for the miracle in our life that we need. And not only will we be a loving father who seeks Jesus, but we'll be a loving father who worships Jesus. It says in verse 22, when Jairus came to Jesus, he fell at his feet. 
When, when you fall at somebody's feet, it's an act of submission. It's an act of worship. He was saying, you know what? I'm letting all my pride go. I'm bowing down before you in worship. Now, Lord, I surrender all to you. I've finally come to a place in my life that I realize that I can't fix this child no more. I can't change this home no more. I can't put my marriage back together. I need to fall down at your feet and worship you because, Jesus, I need your help and you're my only hope. And he will change you, friend. He will change. He will change you. He fell down admitting that I need help. And he was carrying a burden in his heart. Can you imagine the burden that this man is carrying for his family? And the Bible says, cast your burdens upon the Lord and he will sustain you. And he will never allow the righteous to be shaken. Cast your burden today upon the Lord through your worship. And he fell down at his feet. Worshiping the Lord, declaring that Jesus was his only hope. This loving father, was a, he was so broken before Jesus. Let me tell you something this morning. If you want to get the attention of Jesus, why don't you come to him in your brokenness? Come to him in your tears. Come to him in your pain. Come to him not in pride, but in your brokenness. And friend, he will move because his word says that he is near the brokenhearted. Let me ask you this morning. Listen to me, Father. When is the last time out of your brokenness, when is the last time out of desperation that you cried out to Jesus for your kids who are lost and on their way to hell? When is the last time out of your desperation and out of your brokenness that you cried out to Jesus to heal somebody in your family that is sick? When is the last time out of brokenness and out of desperation you fell down at the feet of Jesus and cried out that God would take the pain and the grief and the sorrow out of that home that your family's going through? When is the last time out of your brokenness and out of your desperation you fell down at the feet of Jesus and you asked him, Lord, my family has been ripped apart. They're fighting and bickering back and forth and I want to bring you into my home. Will you please restore it and bring us all back together? God will do it, friend. God will do it. How are, my goodness, how our homes would change today if some loving fathers and some loving people would spend time out of desperation and out of brokenness worshiping and seeking Jesus and running to him in desperation and prayer, praying that God would move on our homes and move on our kids and, and move on our marriages and move on our relationships. The problem today, friend, is that fathers are not desperately running to Jesus. They're desperately running to the world. This past Friday night, I had to come to the church. I turned down here at McDonald's, headed this way. It was about 10 minutes to 9. When I started coming this way, the closer I got to the liquor store, I was wondering, what in the world's going on? You couldn't even see the building for people gathered around it trying to get in before it closed. Loving fathers, not desperately running to Jesus, but loving fathers desperately running to a bottle. Desperate fathers running to appeal. Desperate fathers running to the things of the world. Friend, what Jesus is looking for is for people who will run to him so he can change their life. God, help us today to be a loving father that will fall at the feet of Jesus. This act of worship was a risk for Jairus. By worshiping him, by worshiping, by, by seeking Jesus and falling down at his feet, this man took a risk 
of losing everything. You know why? Because if the other religious leaders would have seen him at the feet of Jesus, seeking Jesus and worshiping Jesus, he would have been cast out of the synagogue. He'd have, been, he'd have lost his reputation. He'd have lost his position. It, it, was going to cost, it was going to cost Jairus something to seek and worship Jesus. And what did Jesus tell us? He told us, he said, you better count the cost before you follow me. I want to tell you today, friend, I want to go ahead and warn you fathers, all of us here today, that if you're going to live a life and you're going to seek after Jesus and you're going to worship him, it's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you something. It's not going to be no easy cakewalk. It's going to cost you something to seek and really worship Jesus. It may cost you some friendships. It may cost you some business. It may cost you some, a position at work. It may cost you your reputation in the community. But like Jairus' friend, you need to say that no matter the cost, all that matters to me is to have Jesus with my family. That's all that matters to me. You can do what you want to me. You can slap me. You can burn us down. You can do what you want. But I'm going to bring Jesus to my family. God, help us to be like Jairus. And may our families, may our families look at us, dads and moms, whoever you are. May our children look at us and may they see a loving father who's willing to take a risk and worship Jesus no matter the cost. May our children see loving fathers worshiping Jesus despite what your friends or your enemies say about you. May our children see a loving father who will worship Jesus no matter what the world says and what culture says. May our children see loving fathers who will worship Jesus no matter the troubles that come their way in life. My mom and dad, good night. You're talking about some crisis in the home? We have had some crisis in the home, but I never seen them give up. They always had their hands lifted up saying, Jesus will be with us. Jesus will see us through it. I'm going to keep my faith in him. That's what your children need to see in you. May our family see a loving father. Who's willing to seek Jesus in prayer? I read the story this past week of a pastor who was praying for his children. He was a great man of God. And all of his kids were saved except one of his boys. And his boy just living for himself, living for the world, just living for the devil away from God. And he prayed for him and prayed for him. And finally this pastor passed away. And his son was still lost. And some years later... Uh, his son, the lost son, actually passed away. But right before he passed away, a couple of months before then, he gave his life to the Lord Jesus Christ. And friend, that's because God honored the prayers of that pastor, that daddy. Amen. And God will honor your prayers. Don't give up on them. Don't quit on them, friend. Keep praying for them. Let your children see a man who's on his knees praying for his family and believing for them. I really honestly believe that part of the rewards of heaven is going to be one day you're going to be there and you're going to see a precious soul come through in heaven, one that you didn't know got saved on this side, but now they're up in heaven rejoicing and singing with you. That's going to be part of our reward, I believe. May our families, may our families see a loving father who's not ashamed to fall at the feet of Jesus at home and at church and in public. Friend, don't be ashamed of Jesus Christ. 
Don't be ashamed here in this church to come to the altar and lift your hands up to the Lord. Don't be afraid during praise and worship time to clap your hands and praise the Lord. Don't be ashamed to go into your house and tell your boys about what God has done for you. Don't be ashamed to go out into the community and tell the world what God has done for you. Why in the world would we ever be ashamed of somebody who died on the cross for us? Someone who shed his blood for us so our sins could be washed away. Please, Lord, help us to never bow down, but to uh, always honor you and never be ashamed of you. So a loving father will worship Jesus, and a loving father will believe Jesus. It says here that in verse 23, Jairus pleaded earnestly with him, My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so she may be healed and live. Jairus believed that Jesus could touch his daughter and that she would live. And then we read here in verse 35 through 36. Some men came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue ruler. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother to teach her anymore? Ignoring what they said, Jesus told the synagogue ruler, don't be afraid, just believe. Let me just go ahead and stop here and tell you this. There's going to be some people in your life that are not going to believe. And there's going to be some days in your life that you're going to have to stand alone and believe by yourself. You're going to be going through some things and it seems like everything around you is coming down and people are going to laugh at you and mock at you and wonder why you're even believing it. But friend, keep standing and keep believing like Jairus did. He never gave up. He kept believing. It says that they kept moving toward the house. They kept moving toward the house. They kept going toward that house where that need was. And Jesus said this, if you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. God, help us to believe for him to move in our families today. He had a faith to keep believing God. And the only way he could believe God was to stay close to Jesus through the storm. How many of y'all have been hit with some storms in your house before? We've all had some storms hit our homes. But listen to me, friend. You want to know the key? The key is to stay close to Jesus so your faith will never waver. Yes, people are going to laugh. They're going to laugh and wonder why you're uh, worshiping Jesus. They're going to laugh at you and wonder why you're uh, reading your Bible. They're going to laugh at you and wonder why you're praying. They're going to laugh at you and wonder why at work and on break you're in your car reading your Bible. Let them laugh. Let them laugh because for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord, friend. We're going to give him glory and we're going to give him praise. Go ahead and clap your hands for Jesus. (laughs) Pastor Kevin, if you'll come help me, sir. They kept going to the house, and this was with the attitude of Jairus. If I can just get Jesus into my house where my daughter is, she's dead. And some of you got some children in your home today, and, and they're, they're, I mean, they're still breathing air and, and everything, but spiritually, they're, they're dead. You, you got something inside your home that's a crisis that's causing pain in your life and, and you're desperate and you're broken on the inside. If I can just get Jesus over here to my family, things will change. Things will change. What needs to change in your house today? What, what needs to change in your family today? The preacher can't change it. The church can't change it. The program, the president, only Jesus can change it. He can change it. And he can turn it all around. But it's all going to start with some men and women, some Christians who are willing to seek the Lord and who are willing to worship the Lord 
and who are willing to believe him for whatever he says and stand on his word. Some of you are in a situation right now and you're hopeless. You're in a hopeless situation right now because of what's going on in your home. God can turn it around. You need a miracle. You need the Lord to show up. It starts right here. It starts It starts with you coming to him in desperation. We, we get so desperate for so many other things. We're, we're desperate enough that we'll sit on Facebook for three hours and just flip and flip and flip. We're so desperate that we'll sit in front of a TV and we'll just watch it for hours and hours and hours. When will we ever get desperate and fall down and say, Jesus, please come into my home and change this mess? Desperate. Desperately seeking Him. When we, when we come to Him... I mean, you know, it's good to come to him, and, and some of you and some of us, and probably myself included, we, we've been good about coming to him when we need something. But as soon as that need's met, it's an about face, and we run the other way. But instead of just coming to him like this man did in desperation, when are we, when are we finally going to just say, you know what? You're my Lord. You're my Lord, and I worship you today. When are we going to bow before him and worship him and just surrender all of our pride and say, Jesus, I acknowledge to you that I can do nothing. I need you to save me. Will you come to him out of brokenness? Are you broken enough that you will come to him and worship him? I wonder today, I mean, really in my own life included, that we don't come to Him because we're not broken for anything anymore. We're broken for ourselves. We're broken to help ourselves. We're broken for the things in our world. But when is the last time you've been broken for somebody you know that's lost? When is the last time you've been broken for somebody that's struggling and going through the battle of their life and that, and that brokenness took you to your knees to call on Jesus? Desperately seeking Jesus. Brokenness coming to Him in worship, and then you got to come to Him in faith, friend. Nobody in here can do anything to please God except trust Him in faith. He says, Faith is what pleases Him. I'm going to believe you, Jesus. I'm going to believe you. I'm going to trust you. Listen, there's a storm in my house. It's hit hard, Lord. There's a crisis going on right now, but I believe, Lord, that you can raise it back to life again. I believe you can do a miracle in my home just like you did Jairus. And I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to believe you for a supernatural work. Whatever's dead in my home, it looks like it's not going to end well, but the giver of life, Jesus, can just speak the words and say, Arise again. I need my marriage to arise again. I, I, I need my, my children to arise again. I, I need my spouse to arise again. I, I need a change in my home. And I, I desperately need you to do it, Jesus. How many of you need that today? Would you bow your heads with me, please, all across this place? Bow your heads. Nobody looking around, please. And I just want to... Get a sense of direction on what God wants to do as we close out this service right now. How many of you showed up this morning and you're broken and because of your own condition right now, because you realize that you're not 
in a right relationship with Jesus Christ. You've never surrendered your life to him. You've never invited him in and to be your Lord and Savior. You've never applied faith that believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe that God raised him from the dead. Friend, if that's you this morning and, you, and you're not sure that you're saved, but you want to make sure you got your heart right with God through Jesus Christ and you want me to pray for you, I'm not going to embarrass you, I promise you. But if you're here today and you need Jesus, I want you just to lift your hand and put it down quickly. Lift your hand and put it down quickly. God bless you. 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 Thank you for being honest. Let me just encourage you, those that raised your hand, just right there where you're at, just acknowledge and say, Jesus, I, I'm a sinner, and I have fallen short of the glory of God like everybody in this place today. And I'm, I'm going to face the wrath of God if I don't get my heart right with you. So right now, I just, didn't, I just put my trust in you. I repent of my sin. I turn from it, and I place my trust in you right now in the work of the cross and I thank you for the blood that you shed. You took my place, and I deserved it all. But thank you, Lord, for dying for me. And thank you, Lord, that you were resurrected back to life. And because of your resurrection, I can live forever with you in eternity. God, I thank you for saving my soul. I thank you for cleansing me from all sin. In Jesus' name, amen. You prayed that prayer today for the first time or rededicated your life. I wish you would really let me know before you left today so I could give you some stuff to encourage you. Would you stand with me, please? There's going to be two appeals to this altar right here, to this altar call. The first appeal I want to make right now is to every dad that's in this house. I want you to make your way to this altar and line up across the front. Every dad, I want you to come. Come on. Come on, dads. Come on. If you're a dad, I want you to come. Praise the Lord. They're still coming. They're still coming. Praise the Lord. Can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise for these men? Is there, is there some kind of way that you guys could just kind of link up, maybe hands on your, on your shoulders right there, just, just kind of link up together, just link up together. And, and listen, we're getting ready to pray, but I want you to hear me one more time. I'm issuing to you a challenge today from God's Word. The challenge is that you will be a man, a loving father, who will seek Jesus out of desperation. You will be a loving father out of your brokenness who will worship Jesus. And you will be a loving father who will believe in Him and trust every word that He says from His book. Will you accept that challenge today? If you will, say amen. amen. Y'all did a lot better than the first service did. I don't know if your wives and your family heard you. Could we say amen one more time so they can hear it? Amen. amen. You heard them, family. You got some loving fathers up here. They're going to seek Jesus, worship Jesus, and they're going to believe Jesus. Let's pray for them right now. Heavenly Father, thank you so much, God, for your grace, God. Thank you, Lord, for your word. And, God, I pray your, 
anointing over every one of these men right now, God. These, these loving fathers, encourage them, Lord, and, and lift them up. I know all of us have made some mistakes, God. There's not one of us in here perfect today. But, God, cover these men. Cover all of us in grace today, God. And give us a new beginning, a new start today. That we will be loving fathers who will seek Jesus and worship Jesus and, and believe Him for all things for our families. My heart as a loving father is to bring Jesus to my family. And I just declare it today, God, over these men. God, empower them by your Holy Spirit. God, I pray right now, God, love and mercy and grace and, and kindness and gentleness and joy, God, would just fill them in self-control. And that these men of God would march out, Lord, and make an impact on their family that will last, last forever. In Jesus' name we pray.